This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you here today. God bless you. If you're a visitor, we're honored to have you with us. If you're watching by live stream, get ready, get ready. It's going to be a good day. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up? Once you get a Bible, go with me. The book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3. So here we are on this big Sunday called Super Bowl Sunday. I, I, I think I, I missed something here. You would think the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl as many jerseys are in here. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I heard this morning that uh, they fired their coach and they got a new coach. And he's half American, half Chinese. His name is Winsome Soon. And so... <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> How about those cowboys? We better move on, okay? Let's move on. Well, again, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're on our second week here in this series on the anointing, the touch of God, and our, our main scripture text. I'm not going to have you go there today, but Psalms 92.10, that God is our strength, that, that God wants to empower every one of us with greatness and that means a, a fresh touch of God, a fresh anointing. And I, I would encourage you just to begin to pray that, Lord, I need your strength. I, I welcome a, a fresh touch of God upon every one of us. And so as we're going there to uh, Proverbs 3, I, I found with human nature, and this is every one of us, that we have this thought, I, I made my bed so I, I've got to sleep in it. I made such a mess of me. And so much as that is centered around, I, I made such a mess of me and, and I've got to clean myself up. And we all go through this pathetic process of self-improvement. And what this pathetic process is, is a thing called stinking thinking that every one of us in here, we have the thought, I can fix myself. You can't. And we've probably all tried, and you saw where that got us. See, if we could fix ourselves, God would have never sent a Savior. If we could fix ourselves, God never had to uh, use Jesus to redeem us. So something happens to me when I begin to look at the grace of God, the, the blood and the broken body of Jesus, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we begin here, Proverbs 3, verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not a little bit of your heart, not most of your heart, but all of your heart. And lean not onto your own understanding. Don't rely on your own insight. Don't rely on your own opinions. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Now, off of that, promise there. Notice it wasn't path singular. It's paths plural. It's every area of your life. He'll direct them. But I want to highlight the three words, ways, acknowledge, and direct. The word ways right here in the Hebrew, it means a road. It means a course or a model of action. And it highlights this. It's new every day. The next word is the word acknowledge, which in the Hebrew is the word yada. And yada means to know by experience. It means to know by investigation, observation, or reflection. 
but it also has the meaning of life-giving intimacy as in marriage. So when we see the word acknowledge, and I gotta be married to Jesus. And he ends and says the word direct, which means to make straight and right. God will make straight the path of his devoted, trusting servants. So I believe this will come alive to us, but he doesn't end here in verse six. Verse number seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you're a know-it-all. Don't, don't elbow your spouse right now, okay? Don't do that. Fear the Lord, adore the Lord, and depart from evil. Ask God to grace you to stay away from evil. Now, watch the promise here, what he says in verse 8. It will be health to your flesh. Man, there's healing within this. And he also says, and it will be strength to your bones. So when I read uh, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8, you know what I think God's saying on all that? I want to upgrade you. Does anybody in here need an upgrade? I could use an upgrade. I, I welcome an upgrade. And so all this goes back to a, a fresh anointing. I, I need the touch of God upon my life. And so that's what we're going to speak to today. And you'll begin to see our, our God is greater than our past. Our, our God, he's not concerned from where, where you're from. He's just the God that wants to touch our hearts. Now, we're going to go to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Ruth, chapter 1, and you may say, where is Ruth? Well, she's right after Judges and right before 1 Samuel. Uh, there's, only, there's only four chapters to this. I, I encourage you to read this passage today because it, it will set you free, I promise you. So we begin here in the book of Ruth, chapter number 1. Verse 1, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was famine in the land. It was a time of spiritual confusion and compromise. So when we see famine in the land, when we hear that word famine, what, what comes to your mind first? What comes to my mind? People are hungry. People are starving. But in this, it's more than a physical famine. It's a nation that gotten away from the things of God. And they were a people, according to Judges 21, that they began to do what was right in their own eyes. So this famine here was also a spiritual famine. They'd gotten away from the word. They had gotten away from prayer. They had gotten away from worshiping God. See, again, this, this may highlight you right now. And this is where every one of us, man, I need a fresh touch of God. I need a move of God in my life. So he goes on to say, and there was a certain man in Bethlehem, Judah, who went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, for a Jew to leave Bethlehem or Judah and go to Moab, another Jew would think, you're crazy. That's not progression, that's regression. But it was so bad in, in the area of Bethlehem that this guy said, I gotta get out of here. We gotta go. Verse two, 
The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malian, Chilean, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and they remained there. Verse three. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left there and her two sons. Now the two sons took wives of women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Malan and Chilean also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Now, when you read what takes place here with this woman named Naomi, the word Naomi means pleasant or delightful. But when we go through this life and we experience tragedies, those tragedies have the ability to change the way I view myself. They, they impact my heart. And in this situation here, she loses her husband and then she loses her two sons. So the best word I think that we can use today to describe where this woman's at is pain. And don't raise your hand, but any of you in here got pain right now? And so the, the other night at the marriage retreat, I got over on this, just on the word pain. And it came back in here this morning because I sensed this with Naomi. And I know that there's many of you in here right now that you've experienced incredible pain in, in the year 1920, 21. And, and some of it is because of, of loss of life. I mean, one of the men in the first service said to me, he said, pray for me, my mama just died. There was a lady at the altar in the first service. She had a son that was right around 20 years old. He was killed in the last year. Just incredible pain. If you're here today and you have incredible pain, God wants to heal your heart. God wants to move you past that, okay? And we're not denying what happened to you, but this is part of what's gonna go on here today. Verse six. Then Naomi arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So she's talking about going back to Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem means the bread basket or the house of bread. So she says, I'm going to go back to the house of bread. I'm going to go back where I can be fed physically and spiritually. But you know, in John 6, uh, 6 verse 48, it says that Jesus is the bread of life. So to degree, when we read in this, it's like, I, I got to go back to the bread of life. I, I got to go back to the one who gives my life purpose and give my life meaning. And so this is what's beginning to take place with this woman named Naomi. Now throughout this morning, you're going to hear the word Moab and, and Moabitess and stuff like that. We're, we're going to talk really, really in depth with that. But we all have some type of Moab in us. 
Every one of us, we're we're experiencing some form of of spiritual famine. We're experiencing sin. We're experiencing hurt. We're experiencing pain. Some of us are experiencing broken dreams. And so she says, we've got to go back. But in Jewish customs that when family members would leave or or die, their, their loved ones would go with them. And so in this situation, Naomi's going back and everything in Jewish custom says that Oprah, Orpah, Oprah, and Ruth need to go back. But Naomi, the mother-in-law, she's telling them, don't go back with me at all. Don't go back. And so I'm picking up here in verse 13, and it's going to seem a little strange where we pick up, but let me read into it here. Would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? So literally that statement was there is, I'm not going to have other children, other boys for you to marry. So she's saying, don't wait. But the reason I start in verse 13, look what said here. No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. You know, human nature is when tragedy comes, trials comes, when life hits you right in the face, the easiest thing it is to do as a human being is assign blame. And she assigns blame here to God and she said, the Lord has gone out against me. Can I tell you, God's not the author of killing, stealing, and destroying. That's the devil God's nature is to love. God's nature is to restore. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So this, this phrase is here, one kissed and one clung, one cleaved. It's huge. So what did it mean here, that one kiss? Well, verse number 15, and it says, And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, look how gods are spelled, and return after your sister-in-law. So when you begin to look what takes place, there's really three characters here. This is the first one. This is Orpah. Then we'll read about Ruth and then we'll study Naomi. But right here it says this one named Orpah, she kissed. She kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and it literally had a reference that she kissed her destiny goodbye. She said, I'm going to stay in Moab. And when you stay in Moab, you get to relive your past day after day after day. And so she said right there, I'm going to stay with my people, even though they were ungodly. And she highlights in my gods, the false gods. So what happens when you go back to to Moab and you stay there again? You get to relive your past day by day by day by day. Verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me or don't urge me to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And listen to this. And your God will be my God. Capital G. Ruth understood something right here that the God of of Naomi is going to become my God. And when I study this, 
before all the tragedy took place with Naomi, she taught Ruth about the things of God. And something with this stuck within Ruth and she said, you know what? The people of God are gonna be my people and your God's gonna be my God. And, and when she makes this oath right here, it's not mere emotional. There's something that happened within her that says, that's my God. Verse 17, where you die, I will die, and then there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now I want you to note something here. The Lord do so to me and more also. So when she says this here, it indicates she understands the nature of Yahweh our God and her commitment is, is in the understanding of the true and living God. She knew something was gonna happen here. But I gotta hang out with God and the people of God. Verse 18. When she saw, and this was Naomi, that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me delightful. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitterness. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Again, her, her life or it reflects human nature here. She blames God. Instead of personal choices and sin nature. If you remember back in verse one, they chose to go to Moab. God didn't tell them to go to Moab. But when life squeezes us often, this is what happens. Verse 21, I went out full of life, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Wow. This is what tragedy and pain can do to every one of us but I don't have to stay stuck there. And so when I read this part here about the bitter, assigning blame, the Lord asked me three questions off this. The first one, and I want you to answer this to yourself. Are you bitter? The second one is, who are you bitter at? Or the third one, has the events of life caused me to be bitter and assign blame to a person or toward God? Oof, powerful, huh? I don't have to stay bitter, but remember in Hebrews 12, 15, it says the root of bitterness causes trouble and it will defile us. And so what happens to, to bitter people? I become trapped by this thing I wanna call the wannabe family, and I live in a perpetual state of shoulda, coulda, and woulda. 
And it's very easy to stay in that. And, and I try to justify my actions. And I try to rationalize my actions. But that's not the heart of God. That's, that's not what God wants us to do. God doesn't want us to get trapped in that. And so we begin to go on here in chapter 2, verse number 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth. And a lot of people say, well, there's the answer. I got to marry me a man of great wealth. I need a sugar daddy. I need, mm. I need a woman of great wealth. Listen, that's not the answer, okay? A man of great wealth of the family of Limelech his name was Boaz. So when you read Boaz, and I gotta explain this just a little bit. Boaz was a type or a shadow of the Lord Jesus. Boaz was a redeemer. Boaz was a kingdom connection. And God has a Boaz for every one of us. His name is Jesus. Verse two, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight am I find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. Now, every assignment has a starting point. So this woman named Ruth, she goes into Bethlehem, a place she's never been. And when you go back to the things of God like this, it can be lonely, it can be difficult. But Ruth says, I've got to get busy. She said, I've got to go to the field and glean. You know what that means? You've got to work. And so Ruth wasn't in for a handout. She wanted to go and do something. So what the word glean means, and I'm gonna give you a little picture here. If we saw a field and it was in a square, the owner of that field would have a circle within the square. Everything within the circle was his. But anything in those corners, they would leave to the poor people to come and glean. Now listen real close. They wouldn't pick it for you. You had to pick it for yourself. So you know what that means? Don't be lazy. Verse three. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened. And it just so happened that she came to part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. It just so happened. Do you know what I believe happened? Proverbs 3, verse 6. When you acknowledge God in all your ways, he'll direct your steps. So, so many times we think, well, this just happened by coincidence. It wasn't coincidence. But you won't get to Boaz's field being a lazy ass. Okay. I mean, this was a woman that said, 
I've got to be faithful in the little because if I'm not even faithful in the little, how can God move me to much? And so this was a woman, and when I read about her, two things stand out. That she was a woman of tenacity and steadfastness. You know what I said? I said, Lord, put a fresh anointing of tenacity and steadfastness on me. I said, I, I will. Actually, Lord, put a double portion of that on me. So she goes to Boaz's field. Verse four. Now, Boaz, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So all of a sudden, he, he catches eyes of this woman named Ruth. And you know what? It may be possibly her looks, but I believe her worth ethic. I think that's what got his attention, that he said there's something different about this woman. So verse number six, so the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, is this the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab? Now it highlights Moab, it highlights a Moabitess. You know where that name comes from? The nation of Moab was birthed out of an incest relationship. You say, Pastor, is that in the Bible? Some weird stuff happens in the Bible. A man named Lot and his two daughters. So this woman that it highlights Ruth from Moab or the Moabitess, her bloodline's got some junk in it. But so does mine. But when I look at the nation of Moab, this guy named Lot, before he left to go to Moab, he lived in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 18, Genesis 19. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, if you remember, the angel of the Lord showed up to Abraham and he said, the sin of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah has become so great that I'm gonna have to destroy it. Now this is the only second time that God did that. He did that with Noah and he did that here. And so you know what this tells me? That when the sin of mankind reaches a certain point, God says, I'm gonna have to deal with it. So God says, you know what? I can't destroy it without telling my buddy uh, Abraham about it. So Abraham, he becomes an auctioneer and he says, God, you wouldn't destroy it for 50, 40, 30, 20 for 20, 15. He gets all the way down to 10. And God said, I wouldn't destroy it for 10. But the sad thing is he couldn't find 10. So if you remember the story, Abraham instructed to the angel of the Lord, he said, tell Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, when they leave, don't look back or they'll be destroyed. And they leave, but Lot's wife looks back and she's destroyed. And you know why she's looking back? She can't let go of her past. She can't let go of the world. She can't let go of her lifestyle or possessions. And it led to destruction. So when you read this here, she's a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. 
Do you know what the Lord spoke to me on this? You know why it mentions Moab and a Moabitess over and over? That was her testimony. And every one of us have a testimony. And I believe it's important at times that we share our testimony. You know why? Because this is what your testimony said. This is who I used to be. This is what I used to be. But this is what God does because the only way the curse of Moab broke is when I give my heart to Jesus. And so this is why this book says over and over and over, Moabite, Moab, over and over. Don't be, don't be ashamed of your testimony. Woo, look, 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 look what God has done. You go to your class reunions and people look at you and say, what happened to you? I gave my heart to Jesus. It shocks me what you do for a living. It shocks me too. But I see the goodness of God. Ooh, I better move. I better quit telling stories. Where are we at? So Ruth keeps going to the fields. Day by day by day. She just keeps gleaning. Day by day. This is a word for some of you. If you don't know the direction God's sending you at, Stay in Boaz's field. Just be patient. Just keep doing the things you know to do. You know why? Because God's clock isn't on our clock. God views everything from eternity, and God's never late, and God's never early. He's just right on time. He's right on time. And so... Ruth, day by day by day, she just said, we're going to go glean. And if you study it, man, I'm telling you, the blessings of God start coming on her. Jump with me to the, the book here of uh, Ruth chapter 4. I'm going to have to move on. Ruth 4, and I'm jumping. I encourage you to read this. But I want you to listen real close to these last few verses. Verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. The word redeem means to buy back. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and there was a confirmation in Israel. So the surrender of the sandal, it symbolized surrendering all rights. It was to demonstrate possession and authority. Those are some trustworthy people. Because I, I, I sit here and think, so I, I go to John and I buy a piece of property. Here you go, John. There's your shoe, pal. <laughs> but you know what they knew when that took place? They knew what that symbolized. It's a done deal. But nowadays, we, we got to get lawyers. We got to get everything in the world. But Boaz, he gives the shoe. Keep reading. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off a sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witness this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was his boys, Chilean and Malon's from the land of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired 
as my wife. This is the picture for me and you. When you give your heart to Jesus, you become married to him. He's the groom and we're the bridegroom. But I come in covenant with him. And isn't it interesting that Boaz would marry a woman from Moab? And so you know what that tells me? Her past didn't affect him. He said, I'll redeem you. See, it's the same with Father God toward me and you. Well, God couldn't use me. Why couldn't he? Now watch this for time's sake here. Verse 13. Oh, get ready. This is good. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and went in and went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. So you say, well, what's so great about that? Boaz had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse the Bethlehemite. Jesse the Bethlehemite had a son named David or better stated, King David. All that went through a woman from Moab who had a background of generational crud. But the reason I tell you this is, is God still anoints people. When I give my heart to Jesus, it doesn't matter your past. Now, can I give you another little tip here? If we went to the genealogy or the family tree of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 1, if you were to look at Matthew 1, 5, the bloodline of our Lord and Savior Jesus goes right through this woman from Moab named Ruth. You talking about being a history maker. God will use you. He will bless you. Doesn't matter your path. Doesn't matter where you're from. I just got to hook up with God. Now listen to this last verse. I'm going to read you just a little bit. Verse 13. Verse 15. I get my threes and my fives wrong. 15. And may he be to you a restore of life. The word restore means to turn back to restore, to retrieve, to reverse. And a nourisher, a sustainer. Now he said this to this older woman, Naomi, but if he said it to Naomi, he's saying it to me and you. Can you hear the Lord saying this today, right now? And may he be to you. And so when he said there, may he be to you, I said, Lord, I welcome you to be a restorer. Restore my life and be a nourisher to me. And so too many times we get hung up in our past. And sometimes it's a past of tragedy. Sometimes it's a past of pain. But the only one that can move us through that is God. And a fresh anointing, Lord. I need a fresh touch of God today. Why don't you stand on your feet here with me? It's a fresh touch of heaven. You know, when I read all this, our God is still in the business of taking messes and making miracles. But I gotta be just like Ruth, where I say, your people will be my people. 
and your God will be my God. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there. You know, if you're here this morning and you said, man, when you talked about pain, and it just came back alive in me today. We're not denying your pain, okay? It's real. But the only thing that's going to fix that is Jesus. That's it. A fresh anointing, Lord, to move me, move me to a place of of freedom again. If you're here this morning, you're experiencing pain. And you say, that's me. Whether it's by death or this thing called life. You just get out of your seat and come down here, okay? And the reason I want you to do this is because, man, I prayed this morning. I said, Lord, let there be a touch of God here. Let there be a touch of hell. If you're hurting today, you got pain, just come down here. God wants to minister to your heart. Come on, ladies, come on. if you're part of our prayer team I I welcome you to come on down here and my prayer is this that all you that are laying hands on these ones that, that God is using your hands right now of CPR of spiritual CPR that you're you're breathing life back in them right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Guys, go ahead and sing. We're going to go ahead and follow this out right here. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.